In today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Dallas Mavericks and a pretty tumultuous last couple of days as well. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. And at only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. How are the Mavericks fans enjoying things at the moment? I'm going to say not that much, uh, not, not good stuff happening. Of course, it started with the, uh, you know, there's always been these these weird rumors about, you know, the, the fit of Kristaps Porzingis, whether he's being traded. Then there was the the athletics article about the impact of Bob Volgaris uh, on the team and friction there between him and the front office and the coaching staff and the players. And then Mark Cuban comes out and says it's total bullshit. And then a day later, Donnie Nelson is gone, who was the GM or president of basketball operations. He's been there for like 20 years or something like that. So he's out. So they're looking for a GM. Yeah, questions asked of Cuban. Yeah, Rick Carlisle, is he, is he gone? And Mark's like, no, no, he's definitely he's definitely staying. That's not, that's not happening. It's really hard to find a coach of his caliber. Um, so, you know, the odds are we'd be downgrading. So there's no way that he's going. And next minute, uh, Rick Carlisle's gone. So that's another job op- job opening in the NBA. Seven now uh, head coach openings at the time of me recording this, Dallas being the latest one. Um, yeah, reports of Luka Doncic having uh, frustration with Bob Volgaris, uh, having uh, clashes with Rick Carlisle, being upset that Donnie Nelson was gone. Uh, there are some weird things going on. And honestly, like you, you know the saying, the fish rots from their head down. It all points towards Mark Cuban. Like, the Volgaris thing, I don't know whether he's going to be back. He's out of contract, apparently, but that's obviously causing friction with Doncic, with Carlisle. Then there's the Carlisle-Doncic. It's like the the triangle of conflict between those three. Then there's Nelson out. So they need a new GM. They need a new head coach. They're going to hire a GM slash uh, uh, president before they hire a head coach, which is obviously the right move. Who they get is anyone's guess. I'm not here to speculate. Uh, I'll offer more analysis once we find out who the coach is. <clears throat> and who the GM is, but this is a Mavericks team that has not built well. You know, getting Doncic was great, obviously, but there's been some questionable moves in, in, other, in other years, and they've got a pretty pivotal offseason coming up for in, in numerous ways, Th- from a front office point of view, from a coaching point of view, from a star management point of view, and from a player personnel roster point of view. This is a huge... If you're a team that's got a guy who's probably going to go into next season as one of the top two, top three MVP favorites, who's in his fourth season, and he's going to sign a Supermax extension most likely, uh, they're in some real trouble here, Dallas. And uh, it's not they're not in dire straits. They're not in a spot where things are going to turn to shit. But they are in a situation where it could turn to shit, and they are really, really on the precipice of where things sit here as we uh, as we move forward. But I'll tell you what's not on the precipice, and that is, that's a terrible segue, but 
I don't care because rockauto.com is the place that you need to go to buy parts for your car. There's, the, the days are gone of going into a big box chain auto store, going up, finding the bloke at the counter, waiting in turn to get that. And then you get there and he says, oh, I don't know, I don't have that part, mate. Are we talking to me? Oh, I have to order it in for you. And he, he clicky clacks on his keyboard and he orders it. And then he charges you more money for the uh, for that service. It's garbage. Rockauto.com, they're a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So if you go to rockauto.com, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and it's remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. And best of all, those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there, how did you hear about us, Box? So that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Now, let's talk about this Dallas Mavericks squad. They had a record of 42 and 30. That's a pretty good number. You know, they finished, obviously, in that five seed in the West, lost to the Clippers after going up 2-0 um, in that series at home. or oh, sorry, on the road, then, then uh, ended up losing that series uh, in seven games. They had the ninth best offense and 20th best defense. They had a pace that was 24th. Now, all of this can easily change. And the offense is still going to be pretty good because you've got Luka Doncic out there. Like, he is driving that. But how they how they and the new coaching staff figure out what to do with Porzingis, how, whether the GM keeps Porzingis, whether Porzingis can stay healthy, there is three huge question marks about what KP does and how that drives that offense. Because if KP is healthy and used correctly, this is a top three, top four offense, like, regardless who you put around him. You, know, you put some shooters around and some other ball handlers, there's a real chance for an elite offense. Defense is going to be concerned when Porzingis and Doncic are your two main players, and getting to 20th is not a bad result from Mark Carlisle. 24th in pace, they are always slow. They never run transition stuff. I think that needs to change under a new coach, and with Doncic's passing ability, I think that opens up quite a lot, and it opens quite a lot for Porzingis. So I think there is a real possibility that a new coach can come in. Now, it could just be that Jamal Mosley, who's their assistant coach, he seems to be the favorite at this point of moving in. And he did coach a game this year when Carlisle had to miss for COVID protocols. I think he could be a pretty solid coach. And I do think that we'd get more transition, more fast break stuff. And that pace would increase under Mosley. I don't know how much. I'd have to dig into that a little bit more. But it's really impossible to tell under an assistant coach. But if they do get hired, you need to hear the sort of words that they say and what that means. But of course, that could be bullshit as well. Luke Walton, nah, we're going to play fast. All right, Luke, you're lying. Um, but that, yeah, we have to try and pass all that information through. But I think there's going to be changes here about how players are used and how uh, offensive schemes are set up because Carlo has been doing the same thing for years and years and years. And I think there's going to have to be some sort of change in that. They have no picks in the draft. You'd think um, they're a team who's never really bought into the second round, thanks to uh, yeah, Richard over at Mavs Draft, who uh, brought that stat. I think they haven't bought into the draft in 10 years. And they need to get back into this draft, I think, use some of Cuban's money to get a second round pick so they can at least get something coming in and the new GM can make some sort of a stamp uh, on this team with a second round pick. We'll see whether that actually occurs. The Chicago Bulls are always looking to sell picks for money. So maybe you could uh, buy their second round pick and uh, yeah, pay the 3 or $4 million or whatever it costs to get into that early second round uh, situation. Free agency is going to be huge. The big one there, of course, is Tim Hardaway Jr., who... Again, recency bias is a thing that affects us all. He played well down the stretch. He was big in the playoffs. But let's not get this confused. He was bad. 
to begin the year. He, he was not very good. And he is going to get a big contract. Now, whether that is from Dallas or from another team, it could really have an, an, issue, an impact to me. They are a team who does have some cap space. If they burn it on Hardaway, who is like okay, he's also 29. He's seven years older than Doncic. If you pay this bloke 60 million for three years, I think it's wrong. If he gets 80 for four, it's a terrible contract. He is not that good. And you know, using your cap space and hamstringing your team moving forward on that, I think there's a real, real risk there. I wouldn't say that I'm just saying go somewhere else, Tim, but I definitely will have a lower walk away price than I think a lot of others will because they'll look at what happened in the playoffs from Hardaway where, again, he was really, really pretty solid. Yeah, he was you know, their second best player perhaps during the playoffs. He played 37 minutes a night. He averaged 17 points. He hit 40% from three. But, you know, he does literally nothing else. They, they were big minutes, but I do think that he is relatively replaceable. Um, and it all comes down to a value proposition of whether you want to pay that. JJ Rick, there's no chance he returns. He's an unrestricted free agent. Boban Marjanovic is unrestricted as well. Boban just sort of bounces around. Um, quick guess, how old's Boban? I'll tell you, he's about to turn 33. Yeah, I wouldn't be prioritizing him. Willie Cauley-Stein's got a team option, um, really up and down, but how they run the Kleber, Powell, Cauley-Stein, Porzingis, big man rotation. I think they need another big man in there. Uh, I don't think Cauley-Stein is the answer to anyone's question, unless the question is who's a player that's continually overrated by fans. Cauley-Stein doesn't answer that. Uh, any questions for, for that center position? He's got the team option, and Nicola Malley is a restricted free agent who, again, uh, he's 29 years of age. I wouldn't be highly prioritizing him. The other one that's interesting is Joshie Richardson's got an $11.6 million player option. Now, at the beginning of the year, he said no chance he picks that up. But with how he played, he played 13 minutes a night in the playoffs. Uh, he could really be um, you know, scrounging for cash. I still think there's a chance that he declines that and can get a better offer somewhere else with a little bit more security, especially if it appears that Hardaway is on the way out, then Richardson will you know, take that starting job back and get 30 minutes a night. But the fit there was a little bit clunky. He didn't particularly work well, and he didn't play well either for the majority of the season. So that's one to watch. Jalen Brunson also $1.8 million non-guaranteed, but... Uh, zero chance that that won't be guaranteed as we uh, as we move forward. Let's talk about Luka Doncic because he was great. There's no denying that he is a very very good player and is going to be you know one of the favorites, if not the favorite, for the MVP next season. He played 34 minutes a night, 66 games, had some injuries, but only missed six games. 50 points, 50 and a half points in a, in a points league, fifth ranked player in points leagues. In category leagues, he was 17th. Now that ADP of four was nonsense at the time. For a points league, fine. He should have been a top three pick. He finished fifth. Like that, That's no worries. But there are a lot of people in categories who are taking him one overall, two overall, and it never made a ton of sense. But in saying all of that, you punt free throws with Doncic and he was the sixth ranked player. So it wasn't a complete disaster to pick him at six, uh, pick him at four. At one, it was foolish. At three, it was foolish. I think at five, it was still probably a little bit risky, but it would have worked out okay. But, you know, people are going to fall. It's going to, they're going to go into two situations. Some leagues are going to fall for it again, and they're going to pick him in the top three, and it's going to be a ridiculous scenario. But others are going to look at that ranking, and if leagues think that they're switched on, which some leagues do think that they're more switched on than they actually are, not this might be your league, it might be not. And I'm going to go, Doncic, 
Doncic was ranked 17th last year. And if you are slavishly devoted to nine category rankings with turnovers included, I cannot tell you how wrong you are if you use that to value players. But if you do that, he was 20, he was uh, 35th. So people are going to be, uh, Doncic, he's actually uh, 35th for nine cat. He was uh, ranked 35th. So uh, I wouldn't spend a second round pick on him. You're wrong. You are, you are wrong to do that. So there's a chance that he goes top three, and I think that's wrong. And there is a chance that people who you know, um, double-handed jerk off to nine-cat rankings will look at him as being the 35th-ranked player and say, well, you just can't pick him. Can't pick him in the top uh, top 20, guys. He just uh, kills too many categories. Just can't do it. And uh, they're wrong. So there, there is a chance that he falls. And if Doncic falls outside the top eight, top seven, you have to pick him. Because again, what you do is just go, well, these free throws are bad. They can improve. Deal with it. I'll deal with it. It's not a problem. I'll get those other numbers back and I'll deal with it. So there is, it's hard to judge where he goes. Yeah, he, to me, he's still a top three dynasty player without too much concern. Um, and he could easily pip, yeah, piff himself into the top three or top four in a punt free throw build this year. I wouldn't take him top three. I happily take him six at, at, this, at this stage. Still got to look into that a little bit more. Um, but just be aware that of the narrative for the you know, nine cat intelligentsia. Again, you probably feel like I'm attacking you. And if you feel like that, maybe I am. I'm not. Um, that he slides too far and then he's available to pick 11 or 12. And then that's where you start really reaping the value. So just be aware of that. Best categories, he's eight. I didn't even tell you what he did. 28 points, three threes, eight assists, eight, point, uh, eight rebounds, 8.6 assists, one steal, 48 and 73. Defensive stats, the lack of them is going to be a concern. That's why he'll never be James Harden because Harden's a two steals, 0.8 blocks guy. Yeah, while we can look at the other numbers and go 28, 8, and, and 9, like they're great, he's never going to be James Harden level of fantasy because Harden gives you 86% on 11 attempts from the line. He gives you two steals, 0.8 blocks with those other counting sets. Doncic will never be that. And that'll always keep him from that upper, upper you know, literally top two value, which Harden had, has had for what, six years, seven years. Um, but you're going to get good points, threes, rebounds, assists. Yeah, not bad steals, not bad blocks. And we just need those free throws to jump up. But again, we can work with that. Advanced numbers, a plus 5.3 EPM, which is higher than last year. Really good numbers. True shooting of 59. Yeah, finishes at the rim pretty well. Hit his mid-ranges at an astonishingly good level. 35% from three, that can still improve. He takes a lot, a lot of them and very difficult attempts. Yeah, great passing numbers as usual. Um, his Raptor was through the roof at 5.9. His LeBron was through the roof at 4.02. He is a negative defensively. We know that. He's not as negative as it's made out to be, but he is still a um, he is still a, a negative on that end. And that's enough of me talking Luka Doncic. Guys, Luka Doncic would love to still be in the playoffs, but there are teams that are still alive at the moment. If you need coverage for the playoffs, our road to the finals, which is our NBA playoff coverage, right across the Locked On Network, is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Now, 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Let's talk about the next bloke. Porzingis. So many questions about Kristaps Porzingis. Now, he cops a lot of hate. Now, there are some arguments and I think that they're fair for Porzingis being a little bit of a shiploke. I, I think that's fair. I wouldn't say it's 100% there. We, do we ever get resolution on that assault case from New York? I don't think that we did. Or well, I don't remember what it is. But that, there's some shiplokiness there. There's some rumblings behind the scenes continually. But the dude is 26 years of age. He is not particularly, from a basketball perspective, he's not particularly old. Now, injuries are a massive concern, right? I've heard people say they will never draft Christos Porzingis, which, again, is wrong. You are... 
you are absolute kids. Cover your ears. I haven't dropped one of these for a while. You are absolutely fucking kidding yourselves that if Porzingis is available at pick 80, you wouldn't pick him. You are fucking kidding. I'm telling you now. He played 31 minutes a night this year. That is not very much. And was still on a per-game basis, 40th in category leagues and 41st in points leagues. That's not particularly good, but he can very easily be a top 20 player on a per-game basis. Now, you would never draft him there because of the injury risk, and you feel like he's going to miss time every year. And I think if you look at him in an 82-game season as playing 63 games, I think that's a fair assumption. And that probably pushes him outside the top 50 on a, on a total basis. I don't think that that's, I don't think that's controversial to suggest that. You know, this year, he was 91st in total value because of the games that he played, right? That's, that's not an outrageous statement, but he, the guy can still put up numbers. He averaged 20 and 9. He had 2.33s. He had 1.4 blocks. Like he can do more than this. He can average 24 and 10. He can hit three threes. He can hit, have two blocks. He was 48 and 86 as his percentages. Like, that can all be better. So on a per-game basis, the top 20 is still in reach for Porzingis. He needs to be used better. He was very rusty this year coming back from his knee surgery, and that really impacted how he looked defensively because he looked pretty poor, and his defensive metrics were all over the shop. But just, you know, his last year in New York, he had an EPM defensively of 2.4. This year, he was minus one. That is a big, big drop. His Raptor hated his defense, negative 1.5. That pushed him down to being the seventh best player overall on Raptor on this team. LeBron had him as a negative uh, defensive player as well, but still second overall. So while we can be frustrated at Porzingis because we go, well, he's not being that elite player that we thought he can be, he is still quite a good player. And I think we need to pass the the, the, the criticism uh, of Porzingis through that lens in our mind, right? We need to look at it and go, okay, he can be disappointing for what we think he can be, but that doesn't mean that he's Bobby Portis. It doesn't mean that he's Alex Len. It doesn't mean that he is Hassan Whiteside in terms of how shit they are as NBA players. He is not that. Is he an all-star level player at the moment? No. If he played 70 games and back at his best, could he be? Yeah, really easily. Like he's still got that there and he's still only 26. So I'm not writing him off. I am writing him off playing 75 games plus ever. And that's going to push him way down. But you, if he is going to fall and I would not take him in the top 50 and I would not value him as a top 50 fantasy player, um, in dynasty leagues, but there is still a ton of ability there. He was 94th percentile for offensive uh, EPM this season. He finished at the rim at a high level, hit his mid-ranges, hit his threes, hit his free throws. His block rate was pretty good, although you know, down on previous years, he rebounded pretty solidly. In the past, he's been a poor defensive rebounder. He's really up that. There is still a lot of value in Porzingis, so don't get it too twisted to think that he's terrible. Built Bar's not terrible. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. So if you're looking for a delicious treat that's not going to blow out your calorie budget or not going to make you feel like you're you know, uh, doing the wrong thing by your health goals, Built Bar's the answer. It is not only delicious, it is healthy. Nine fantastic flavors, including the occasional limited time flavor. That includes coconut, cherry, raspberry, double chocolate, salted caramel, something for everyone. And if you do not know what your favorite Built Bar flavor is, then hey, buy a mixed box. It's got all nine flavors, 18 bars, Two of each flavor for you to try. Most of the flavors are 17 grams of protein with only 130 calories, just four grams of sugar, and just four grams of net carbs. So order today. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at builtbar.com. Okie dokie. 
Dorian Finney-Smith was unbelievably the next highest ranked category league player on this team. He was 132nd ranked player. He was drafted at 133. Okay. 60 games played, 32 minutes, 22 fantasy points, which um, left him at 174th um, in points leagues. He hit two threes per game at 39%. But like, like he... You look at 132nd, you go, Josh, is 156 players rostered in a 12-team league plus IR spots, which might push it to 170, depending on how many of those you got. So he's clearly a 12-team league guy. Would I draft him in round 11 at 132 next year? Like Not, not even close, not remotely close to it. I'll tell you why, because there is zero upside in Dorian Finney-Smith. What the hell is he going to do to make me get excited? 10 points, two threes, five rebounds, 0.9 steals, 0.4 blocks. Is he a good defender? He's a pretty good defender. Is he a good shooter? He's a pretty good shooter on absolutely no volume, 12% usage. So what does he do that's good for fantasy? Well, what he does is he hit two threes per game, which is above average number, and then he doesn't hurt you anywhere. Everywhere else is just average. 1.7 assists, like it's just a little bit below average. Yeah, 10 points is, is not great. Um... Look, there's just he, look, hundred. It's a top 150 player, but he's not a draftable 12 team league guy. He's 28 years of age. He is a solid enough player for this team, who you'd want, you know, playing a, a strong role. I, I think I, you know, ideally, I'd still love to see them use more him at the four and Porzingis at the five, but you know, maybe you're looking for a better four there, or Porzingis just maybe can't play the five. That, that's a possibility too, because I, I still think he should do more of it. But maybe he just can't do that. Um, actually, this would be interesting. How much, according to basketball reference, did he actually play at the five this year? Pausing us. Let's look at their position designation. 100%. Okay, so they're using any time that he played with Powell or Cauley Stein or or Kleber with, that he was the five. And I'm not, I think they base it just on um, on heights. So I'm not convinced about that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Finney Smith, like, what what does he do? Is he ever going to get higher than twelve usage again? He might go up marginally, but he's never going to be a good rebounder, assist guy. The steals is where there is value potentially improving for him, but I don't really see a huge long term upside in Finney Smith. And ideally, you'd want him to play a twenty seven minute role off the bench, um, and be or be just a really good defender in this current role without expanding anything. Because I think if he has to expand his role then your team's getting pretty significantly worse. Let's talk at Josh Richardson. Now, I was massively out on drafting him this year. Um, and again, like Finney Smith, he finished 138th. But as a bloke that's going to be your worst or second worst player on your roster, yeah, that is not a guy that you hold on to or you're pro you prioritize. And by the end of the year, he was coming off the bench. He played 30 minutes a night, 12 points in his 59 games. Now, there was an issue for him for COVID as well, which we can't disregard, but he was bad before COVID. 12 points, one and a half threes, 2.6 assists, one steal, 43 and 92. And Richardson's value used to be in you know, 1.5 to 1.6 steals sort of bloke and a guard who blocks a shot per game. And if you go down to bringing me fewer defensive numbers than Luka Doncic, then everything is gone. Like your value has disappeared. And that's pretty much what, what he, he turned into. Josh Richardson averaged the same steals as Doncic and fewer blocks than Doncic. His EPM was a career worst at negative 1.3. His true shooting has been below league average every year of his career except for his rookie season where he was at 57. He was down at 54 this year. His three-point shooting just looks to be settling in to be bad, 33% this year. 
His free throw is amazing, though. That went to 92, and he was a bad guy that was terrible at that as a rookie, 67%. Up to 92, that is a staggering improvement. And he's been at least 85% in three of the last four seasons. So you'd think that maybe that could make him a better three-point shooter, but it's actually made it go and gone worse. Block and steal numbers have just settled into the average range. And at this point, he's an average player. Negative two Raptors, quite a bad number. Negative 1.3 EPM, he's you know, below average in the league. His um, LeBron was way down as well, negative 0.79. Even if Tim Hardaway goes and Richardson has to pencil in as a 32-minute-a-night starter, next to Doncic, if those defensive numbers are gone, and the other thing is he was a really good ball handler, like those numbers have gone as well. Um, I don't really see the value in him. He's going to turn 20. He used to be one of my favorite players. I think there's a lot of future here in him. But moving to my, uh, Philadelphia killed it, and then that has seemed to have sapped his confidence. And yeah, the situation here in Dallas is, is not a great one for him either. So I'm not having huge faith in him uh, actually bringing back those numbers because it was a great situation in Miami. You handle the ball, Josh. You bring us great defensive stats, but these other teams, it just doesn't work out that way. Let's talk about Hardaway, who only played 28 minutes a night this season. He averaged 17 points with three threes. He was the 161st ranked category player. He was 147th in points leagues, which again is not very good. The three threes are nice, but what else? Okay, 17 points is great. Three threes is pretty good. Three rebounds, under two assists, under half a steal, 0.2 blocks. Like, shitful numbers. 45 from the field, 82 from the line with 39% from three. Uh, they're totally fine numbers. Hardaway did have a good EPM of, of plus one. That's a solid number. True shooting of 59, which is pretty good. In low turnover player, if you care about that. But... Is there great fantasy value in him? Yeah, his playoff numbers would leave him to be like the 105th ranked player sort of guy, but he still, despite you know the the plaudits for his playoff performance, in 37 minutes, he still averaged just 17 points. He shot 42% from the field, including 43% from two, and averaged no blocks, 0.4 steals, 1.4 assists, and three rebounds. There is just nothing else that he does that is useful. His Raptor was a 1.8, which again, fourth best on this team. It's a pretty strong number. His LeBron was you know, actually worse than Josh Richardson. So he was way down there because defensively he sucks. And he is, I think, one of the players who is at the biggest risk of being overpaid this offseason. And I think that, look, someone will see him and they will overdraft him. Is his best case scenario as a top 100 player? Probably. He had a top 100 season back in New York. In 17-18, where he averaged 17 points per game. A little bit of a different scenario in the league then because those 2.33s that he hit gave him tremendous value as opposed to you know, hitting three this year. It's almost the same value there. So he you know, that, that really drove what he did. And he averaged one steal a game. He has never gotten back over 0.8 steals per game and he has been a notoriously horrible steals player. So, you know, even if he goes and plays 32 a night, the difference between him being a draftable and rosterable player is if he can average a steal per game. Because if he's doing half a steal per game, then nothing else really matters. A massive, massive risk, I think, of being overdrafted. And again, he's 29 already. Let's look at Jalen Brunson, who I thought had some pretty good moments this year and then also had some really bad moments. He was a little bit up and down. I still somewhat believe in Jalen Brunson as a very, very good... No, I do believe in him as a very good backup point guard. 
if he had to become a starting point guard on a team, I would say that you know he he could best case top out as you know the 21st or 22nd best starting point guard. I don't think he's got much more upside than that. He's about to turn 25. His advanced numbers have been you know all right without being you know, ridiculously good. Although on LeBron he comes out pretty nicely. Um, his true shooting was 62 this year. That's obviously a really strong number. But that's in large part due to some really, really good mid-range shooting. 51% from mid-range is a huge number. Assists were good. Um, yeah, 20, 22% assist rate. We averaged uh, three assists per game with 12 points. He shot 52 from the field, but that included 57% from three. And in the second half of the year, those numbers really dissipated. So I don't think we can rely upon that for Brunson. He was 184th in category leagues and 161st in points leagues, averaging 22 points per game. And he's a guy that when Doncic you know, sits out, the numbers are pretty good. When he started, he started 12 games, 33 minutes. He averaged 17, 4, and 4. But again, a lack of steals really hurts him. I don't think he blocked a single... He blocked one shot all year. There you go, one shot he blocked, and he had half a steal a game. Like, they are really bad numbers. Again, much like Tim Hardaway, but he's a point guard. Low assists, low steals, low blocks. He hit threes but at a good rate, but the volume is embarrassingly low. On a per 36 basis, what he attempts four threes per 36, that's a really low number for a good shooter. So there are tweaks that need to be made to his game. He needs to shoot more threes and expect that two-point percentage to drop pretty precipitously. And if he's not bringing assists in a high number or bringing steals in a high number, he just won't be that guy that I think some people expect him to be. I, I do like Brunson. I think he can be a winning player, but there are a lot of holes in his overall fantasy game. Uh, Muxy Kleber, really poor year. Now, I like Muxy Kleber as a player. Um, injuries did hurt him a lot this season, but I'm not going to use that as a complete excuse because he, he, he did struggle. But in saying all that, he still hit 41% of his threes, 92% from the line. He just had a horrible mid-range shooting year, 33% from mid-range. Like that is, that is bad. And that led to 42% overall shooting. He averaged seven and five with 0.7 blocks and 0.5 steals. His block rate dropped way off. He had the consistent Achilles issues this season, which I think did impact him defensively. His advanced numbers weren't great. You know, Raptor, EPM didn't love him. Um, LeBron didn't love him. He's been much better in those in the past. And he's 29. Would I still feel comfortable trusting him as a starting partner next to Porzingis? Well, based on the other options on this team, probably yes. Um, but I wouldn't, be, you know, I wouldn't be horrible in terms of you know, looking to upgrade from him. And I don't think he's ever going to be a solid fantasy guy. Much like Finney Smith, much like Richardson, much like Tim Hardaway, he could finish the year as a 140th ranked fantasy player, but there is absolutely no upside, in my opinion, to get better than that. And that makes him a streamer at best in most categories. And again, he's 29 with some Achilles problems this year. If we want to talk Achilles issues, Dwight Powell returned from an Achilles tear and was bad for most of the year. And then towards the end of the year, he started to play some really good basketball. Now, Powell's value is always going to be in his field goal, 62%. Played 58 games, 15 fantasy points. He was 273rd in category leagues. He doesn't score. He's low usage. He doesn't block shots, 0.5 blocks. Great efficiency, 67 true shooting. Uh, sorry, 69 true shooting Giggity. is a really good number. But you know, low rebounds, he hit, uh, doesn't hit threes. He had, what, you know, one assist per game. He is a positive impact player from most, most metrics. LeBron had him pretty good. Raptor had him as the second best player on this team because of his defensive stuff. 
Defensively, I think he holds up all right, but he doesn't generate defensive stats. And in the past, he's been a pretty good steals guy. And we did see that start to come uh, come on at the end of the year. In fact, over his last 26 games, or sorry, last 14 games, including seven in the playoffs, he averaged a steal per game. And that actually pushed to 1.3 steals per game in the playoffs. But he's not a good three-point shooter. He's a good finisher around the rim. He has 70% rim finishing numbers, which is good in a vacuum, but he was 77 before the Achilles tear. So that lost him a little bit there. And then the other shooting is horrendous. 20% from mid-range, 24 from three, but he just doesn't take any shots there, really. Um, Powell is a guy that, how old is he? He is about to turn 30. He's got, what, one year, no, Jesus Christ, two years and $22 million left. That's a bad contract. There is a chance that you know, he still can be a rotation guy. Um, because he can be somewhat of a positive impact player, but yeah, the overall fantasy appeal there is pretty low. Willie Cauley-Stein, yeah, I think he's overrated a lot. 17 minutes a game, 53 games. He averaged 15 fantasy points. That was 312th. 312th? That sounds horrible. 312th. 315th in category leagues. He had an ADP of 138. Why? I have no idea. Uh, Cauley-Stein averaged 5 and 5 with 0.8 blocks on 63% shooting. One thing he's done the last two years is he has upped his block rate. It was horrendous in Sacramento, but for Golden State and now for Dallas, he's been able to up that. He's a poor free throw shooter. I don't think that he is a, the answer as a starter, and he's got that team option of $4 million for next year, and I could easily see that being declined. To me, he's a best-case scenario third string, sorry, second-string center. Um, shouldn't be a starter, shouldn't be a 20 minutes a night uh, a game player, and he's never going to be a top 100 or probably even a top 150 fantasy guy again. Cooley Stein is about to turn 28 too. Remember Trey Burke in the bubble? He went bananas. He played 62 games, had 15 minutes, and that's why you need to be careful when looking at those numbers and seeing how realistic is it for him to come in and play that sort of a role again, and, and it just isn't. He is one of the most hot and cold players in NBA history. He shot 90% from the line. That's really good, but he had a what usage of 20%. He averaged six points. He shot 35 from three and 49 from two. Like those insane hot numbers that he had last year just had no chance of being able to stick. There was just no way. He still hit mid-ranges at a ridiculous level. So 50%. So there's actually room for regression, regression even from what he did as a true shooting of 54. Because he was 50% on mid-ranges. 35% from three, but he's a terrible finisher. Under 50% at the rim the last two years. His passing has just disappeared. His steal rate was well up this year. Um, again, that's not in line with career numbers at all, so I'm not sure that's going to stick. And I, Trey, Trey Burke is yeah, 28 and a half years, age, years of age. Is he actually a good player? No. Is he a guy that you can occasionally turn to and hope for the best? Maybe, but you can't rely upon that. His LeBron was absolutely horrendous. Defensively, he's got some really, really poor metrics. Um, and yeah, I don't really see a huge amount here for Trey Burke uh, in the future to be a, a good player. He does have two more years left, and the, it's two years, three million next next year, and then three point three million player option after that, which is crazy that he's got a player option for three million. You would think that he'll be picking them up because I just don't see him providing more value than that as we move forward. JJ Redick, sixteen minutes a game. Um, again, he was drafted at one hundred and thirty-eight. No idea why. Three hundred seventieth ranked player this year. Three seventy-seventh in points leagues. He hit his uh, free throws at a high rate, but that elite three-point shooting, you know, 42%, 43% was gone, 37% from three. He had issues with the Pelicans. He had issues with the Mavericks. The three-point volume wasn't there. He provides nothing else, and he's 37. Like, uh, is there a chance the dude just retires and he moves into a Kyle Corver role where he sort of just bounces around, and maybe he comes in for 10 minutes, but everything else he does is just so negatively impactful that the shooting is not at a high enough level or high enough volume to make him worth it? I do think that's the case. He'd been a consistent six 
60 plus true shooting guy. He was down to 58. And this is just what happens when you get older. He went from playing 26 minutes a night to 16 minutes a night. His impact was horrible. He was actually a negative offensively as well when he'd been obviously a huge positive on that end. In the past, defensively, the problems are still there. And when that elite one skill that you have and that elite contribution you have on one side of the ball comes back to being average, then you're not really playable. And that's sort of what happened to Redick. And I wouldn't be expecting a career resurgence at the age of 37. Boban Marjanovic, you know, I think finally that hype is gone of the unleashed Boban and Boban's playing. We're going to have to roster him and he's a must-add. Everyone understands that that's impossible at this point and it's just never going to happen despite his permanent numbers. He's just never going to be able to do that. He played eight minutes a night. He averaged 10 fantasy points. He was 4-17th. He just is not that guy anymore. He can have the occasional game, but that's just not going to happen as we move forward. Nicola Melli averaged nine fantasy points per game. Um, 12 minutes a game, three points. He shot 33%. Again, I wouldn't be rushing to give him a contract. He's 30 years of age. Absolutely nothing for me to get excited about with Nicola Melli after he came across in that JJ Riddick trade. And I don't think the Mavericks will be uh, moving heaven and earth to make sure they retain him on this squad. And let's move into some guys that we didn't really see too much. Josh Green, their first round draft pick, 39 games, 11 minutes per game. Offense has a long way to go. He did start some games this year. He averaged 2.6 points. He shot 16% from three and 57% from the line. He got 0.4 steals, which is not bad in 11 minutes. Um, but offensively, huge work in process. 50, 50% uh, f- uh, work in progress. Sorry, 50% shooting, true shooting is bad. Yeah, not hitting threes is terrible. He was a good finisher at the rim. Now, that's what he is. He's a good cutter. And I think he could be able to work a good partnership with Doncic in terms of being a finisher at the rim. But he's got to be able to hit some threes. He's got to be able to do something offensively. Um, he's not a bad offensive rebounder. Passing is not really there. Defensively, I do think there are some positives to gain from what we saw from Green, and he's going to have to take a big step forward. And, and I can see his role being increased next season. But as a fantasy contributor, I would be really doubtful as a top 100 player. He is only 20, um, but I'm, I'm really doubtful of him. Uh, Nate Hinton, who was a really good rebounder in college, played, what, four minutes a game over 20 games. Not anything there for me to say that Hinton is going to remain an NBA player. He didn't do anything to wow me by any stretch. And the same goes, actually, we'll talk about Tyrell Terry because Terry was a really early second round pick. He's just 20, but he played 11 games, five minutes a game and was out really all year with personal issues. Now, I sincerely hope that everything's okay. I would be really concerned that it's not. The fact that you miss like four months of your rookie season due to personal issues um, is a real problem. Um, not problem in the like, you know, I'm not not a real problem in terms of a Kyrie had to come to work. You're paid to work, my guy. Everyone would love to be doing that. Um, it's a real problem that I hope he's okay. Like I hope his health is all right. I hope his family's health is all right. I hope his mental health is all right. That's a real problem to see him miss that much time as a rookie. Um, and I don't know how to evaluate that as we move forward because we just didn't see him. Yeah, you know, he, he hit, did he even take a three? To even hit a three this year as a rookie? He didn't hit a three, and that's what he came in to do. He he attempted a couple, didn't hit him. But there's just absolutely nothing to go on here for Tyrell Terry. I was nowhere near as high on him as others were, um, but I'm not writing him off. Like Obviously, there's more potential in, in him than there is in Nate Hinton. Uh, I still think Green's going to be the better player, but this is a, a real lost year for Terry, and it's very hard to... Look, I wouldn't... If I'm in a deep dynasty league, considering we saw nothing from him, I wouldn't be adverse to taking a flyer on him, giving up nothing and just seeing what happens. Um, but I'm not particularly confident. And the last guy to talk about is Tyler Bay. Second round pick, 
I, I didn't really think he showed much. He played four minutes a 90 average, one point, uh, 32% shooting, nothing really there for me from Bay. Again, who a lot of people were pretty excited about as a as a big-time college player, but he's 23 years of age. He did damage as, a, as an upperclassman in college, and nothing of that translated across to the NBA. I wouldn't want... Look, maybe could he come in and be a replacement down the line for a Finney Smith, but more likely a Kleber and a Powell? Potentially. Um, and yeah, I've got more faith in him than, say, a Nate Hinton, but I, I don't really see it there for Tyler Bay. Now, before we go... Let's just have a... I didn't even put the, the base stats up. That's uh, shameful. I apologize, Tyler. There you go. You're going to have a look at Tyler Bay's numbers. 525th in categories. That's what you're missing out on. All right, let's answer some questions that you guys have. That you guys have. Pugsley Muir says, do you think um, Brunson would be good enough to run his own team? I said that before. I wouldn't want to put my faith in it, to be honest. Nick Angstat, host of Locked on Mavs, says, I'm curious how I view Dallas. Or he actually said, I'm curious how you view Dallas after all of this as a place for free agents. I'd say that free agents would be pretty skeptical. And Dallas has had problems with free agents in the past. Remember how many guys have been rumored for? Oh, Dwight's going to come. Uh, Boogie's going to come. And this is when they're in their primes. And none of this. The DeAndre Jordans are going to come. And then it didn't happen. And you have to think that, again, the Cuban meddling is a factor there. Um, I would... Yeah, playing with Luca can be a, a big appeal. But... With all this bullshit going on, I would have to think that Dallas's free agent appeal is pretty low at this point. Um, you don't really want to be moving into it because players talk. Do you think Luca doesn't talk to other Euros that he knows from playing back home that he has relationships with? Do you think he wouldn't talk to Goran Dragic? And Dragic says, dude, like Pat Riley, you're expulsion. This shit's fantastic. And then do you think Goran Dragic doesn't say, mate, you should have heard what Luca told me? And then Jimmy Butler doesn't go and tell whoever he tells. Like, players talk, mate. They know how all this stuff works. So if Luca's frustrated, he's telling other players. Agents talk. Luca tells his agent and goes, Bill. I think, I think it's Bill, his, his agent. Bill, kids, cover your ears. You see what the fuck's going on here? Like, what the fuck is happening in this team? And then Bill goes and, and tells his other players, mate, you know, Luca. I wouldn't go to Dallas. Luca is not happy. So, Nick, to answer your question, uh, not highly. I wouldn't think free agents would view Dallas at this point. Igor Goncalves says, beside Luca and KP, do you think there's another player to pick in the next fantasy draft? At this point, no, there's not. I wouldn't be drafting anybody from the Mavericks on this squad, but there's a lot that can still change there because there's obviously free agency and trades, but at this point, no, they are the only two draftable players in a standard league draft at this stage. Um Lucas says, who would be my ideal ideal candidates for coach GM positions? I don't know. There are so many. It's so hard to evaluate assistant coaches that we haven't seen coach. In terms of retread coaches, the only guys that were fired that I'd probably want to give looks at in terms of this for all teams, I think that you would consider Steve Clifford. Uh, I think you would consider Terry Stotts. Carlisle's the other one, but he's obviously not coming to Dallas. I would be looking at Kenny Atkinson as a guy that I think deserves another job. And then the assistants, it's very hard for me to judge. If they want to promote Jamal Mosley, I'm all for it. But yeah, Van Gundy, get get out of here. Stan Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, Jason Kidd. You can all go eat a bunch of assholes. Like, no, none of those guys are jumping in. Um, but those other, yeah, retread coaches, I think they've got some value. Um, what the hell happened to Josh Richardson? That's a good question, Bottle Shop Dave. Um, he just lost, he just lost it. The shooting has fallen off. Sometimes players just have a peak and then fall off, and I'm not confident in it coming back. 
Jake says again, outside of Luca, is a single current Maverick or possible free agent you would consider drafting? Yes, I would draft Porzingis pretty easily. Pros and cons of Sam Hinkie for GM. That's a good question. What are the pros of Sam Hinkie? He's a good GM. What are the cons of Sam Hinkie? Nothing. Actually, that's not true. He's maybe not a great communicator. Um, absolutely, I'd be all for bringing him in. Um, let's have a look. Any other questions? What, am I, what do I think about Jamal Mosley as head coach and Messiah as GM? I don't think there's any chance that Messiah Ujiri is coming as GM. Um, Mosley, again, I'd be more than happy for him to get that, um, more than happy to get that division. Now, this, this show's gone on forever, so I'm going to end it. Guys, thank you again for joining me this week. I'll be back next week with some more uh, season reviews. We are going to be, let's see where we're up to. We're doing the Blazers to begin next week, and then the Lakers, and then we'll be doing the first NBA mock draft after the NBA draft lottery, which occurs Tuesday night, US time. So that show will be out for you Tuesday night, Wednesday morning um, for you. So that's the the next uh, three shows. Blazers review, Lakers review, NBA mock draft, first one of those coming up. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and on YouTube. Thumb me, ring my bell. Leave your comments down below. Tell me how much you want a mustache ride. Whatever it is, guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.